here we go. Hi, Helen Hong. Hi, Jay Keith. How are you? I'm very well, and I'm very excited for this next episode of Go Fact Yourself. We've got two of the stars of Superstore, Ben Feldman and Lauren Ash. And boy, this was a fun episode, wasn't it? Super fun. And I really, uh, I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of both of these people. I've worked with Ben Feldman on Silicon Valley. So yeah, it was a treat. Well, uh, as fans of that show will know, it was recently announced that this season of Superstore is going to be its last, which is a bit of a bummer, but they have a bunch of more episodes uh, to be released uh, into the spring, at least. But we wanted to acknowledge that uh, that news came out after we recorded this episode, which is why we don't bring it up, um, because, of course, we would have loved to have brought it up and bummed everyone out even more. (laughs) So uh, please enjoy this uh, episode of Go Fact Yourself with Ben Feldman and Lauren Ash from Superstore, and we'll see you next time on Go fact yourself. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? (laughs) Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then, smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Great to see you. How are you doing? I am doing very well. Uh, I'm in the middle of trying to find my dog Dodger, a sibling. Oh, adorable. Yeah. Now, I assume this is not a birth sibling from the same litter that is long lost. Long lost. No, no, no. no. This, this will be nine, a love sibling. Yeah, my dog is nine years old, and he's a he's a shelter stray pickup. Yeah. So, like, who knows what his, yes. brought, you know, who knows what his. Uh, and uh, how are you going about this uh, journey, who this knows? search? It's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. You Somebody, just have to go around like, and pet dogs and find one yeah, that you like. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's really hard to find a dog. Like, especially because I'm trying to rescue a dog, obviously. Like, right. And I would love to rescue a dog through the shelter system that Dodger came from, which is the, the L.A. City shelter system, mm-hmm. which is massive and, and horrible. And, um, yeah, there, there's – they've always they, – a lot of dogs in the shelters have, um, you know, they have, like, psychological issues. Right. So, so do you think you just got lucky with Dodger? Or do yeah. You think you, yeah. So yeah. You gotta get you get you're 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 willing to roll the dice again and uh, see if you can get. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would be willing to put up with a little pee in the mm-hmm. house. Interesting. It's it's sort of like dating. Like you start off with these high yeah. standards, yeah. and then and then eventually it's like okay, compromise. I can put I can put up with a little pee in my house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, both of my cats, Cookie and Muffin, uh, were rescues, and I had Cookie about maybe eight years or so before I added Muffin. Mm-hmm. And Muffin was part of a litter of three that I was fostering, and I actually mm-hmm. was thinking about keeping one of uh, her brothers, Biscuit. Um, and then I just noticed that Muffin and Cookie seemed to get along so well, so I kind oh. of made a last-minute audible decision to change to keep Muffin. And um, I'm wondering if I should have kept Biscuit, not because <laughs> Muffin isn't great, but because uh, Muffin and Cookie kind of live. It, it's sort of like they're a separated couple who are still sharing the house while they're working out uh, their, their litigation agreement. So you know, there's sort of this there's sort of this uneasy peace going on that you just oh. feel it could spill over at any at any moment. Um, but you know, uh. we we still go out to the park and throw the ball around because you know it's important to have some 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 me time. Uh, well, good luck on your search. <laughs> 
Thank you. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who are they? They are the stars of the hit NBC sitcom Superstore. It's Lauren Ash and Ben Feldman. Hello, Lauren and Ben. Hi. Hello. Ben is uh, waving to everyone around him. Uh, Alone in the room. Alone in a room. Yes. Good to be here. Sit. Everybody sit. Oh, Ben, you're so gracious. He's so humble. He's like one of us. He's a born theater performer. Let's just like that. No kidding. I like the I like the pattern wave you were doing Great to be here, treading well. the boards. Yes, to trod the boards again on the podcast waves. <laughs> Boy, there's so much I want to ask you about. But first, Ben, I have to start with this. Uh, you and Helen have actually worked together. We have. Yes, we have. We have. We What's worked. she like? <laughs> was that a that was a true or false? Oh, no, 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 no we've not gotten to that part of the show yet. True. No, no. Ding. Yeah. Uh, we did the show Silicon Valley together. Yeah. I don't know. We spent we like spend a day, a day together, together, together in a tiny and office. I want to say the funniest thing that you did is there were like prop Sour Patch Kids. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, but props that. had put a, a half open bag of Sour Patch Kids on my desk. And Ben just picks it up and just starts eating it halfway through the scene, <laughs> like inexplicably. <laughs> and I just thought it was the funniest character choice. Like, oh, no, go ahead. Have my Sour Patch Kids. No, go ahead. That's, that's fine. Just I, d- I don't ever get to play a douchebag um, or I do but only on that show and so I really I like to lean into it because otherwise I'm just like the quirky like lovable yeah. guy who like would no, never it eat your very, sour patch it was kids. a very D-bag move if I was the head yeah. of HR yeah. and I had a half open bag of sour patch kids and someone started eating my sour patch kids I'd be like excuse you no, it's one of my favorite candies, too, uh, so I'm happy to, to match in future takes sure. if I need to keep eating and, and, Ben, really, what a curse you have to bear to be the quirky, lovable character in so many things. We all have our crosses to bear. Indeed. You know? Now, Lauren, we booked you on the show first, and we actually asked you, is there someone you would like to play against? And you recommended and actually got Ben for us. What was it about Ben that made you think, I would like to beat him in a quiz show? She'll win. You know, no, it's not. And I know that's Mm -hmm. what you're thinking, buddy, but Mm -hmm. that's not the truth. You know what it is, is that I think, and here you go, I'm going to get earnest right away. How about this? I think Ben is one of the the funniest people I know, and I think he's great at things that he doesn't think he is. And so I think it's good to to push yourself to go out of your comfort zone. And so I thought, you know what, this will be fun. And he's one of my best buddies. So, you know, the the chemistry will be great. Now back to the best Can I just Can I just cut in? Here's the best part about all of that yeah. is that my computer froze just a little bit into <laughs> your speech. So I gave this very kind yeah. statement and you didn't hear any of it. That is right. That feels right. I got right. the gist. I kind of got the gist. Like the way my the way my wife watches TV. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, she's pregnant and he's mad, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get it. Well, Lauren and Ben, you've actually competed against each other before. Uh, I saw that you guys were both on lip sync battle. Tell, tell us about what that was like. Well, that was another thing that I feel like I basically roped Ben into doing. He was not fully interested. And I was like, Ben, it's my dream to go on this show. Please come on this show with me. And he was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And then he had the audacity to win. And oh, that no. really was the the burn, you know? I had the audacity to make myself look like a complete idiot, which is the only way to win that show. What was the song that you won on? It had to be. Yeah, it was all, all coming back to me, Celine Dion. Um, <laughs> if I touch you like this... Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big dance number, uh, and I. Here's the funny part: you can't do her music. She's got powerful lawyers. Um, <laughs> you can't like 
dress up like her or look like you're making fun of her. So you can't do it in drag or anything like that. So the show was like, what if we do like Liberace? And I was like, what is your demographic? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know who that is, but I'm an old nerd. To Lauren's point, I don't like doing any of these shows because I hate game shows and I hate quizzes and they stress (laughs) me out. And I hate that kind of competition. And Lauren excels in them and is incredible at them. So this is always a panic attack for me, and I'm already sweating. Lauren, basically, you like to, to rope him in so you can just smash him, just just walk all over him. Listen, I mean, I know that that's how it would seem, but I think it's more that I, it's because I like it so much that I want him to like it as much as I do, if that makes <laughs> sense. It. And I'm like, yes. no, 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 just keep doing these things with me, and eventually you'll like them more, <laughs> which I recognize is, is my own personality disorder. No, I, I think I that fully sounds like, I think, that. isn't that? what love is (laughs) let's talk about superstore you guys have been through a lot in the last year you had your 100th episode you had a farewell to america ferrera uh and you went back to work during a pandemic uh what's that all been like if you can even put it into words you know, it's a wild ride, I'll tell you that. I think, you know, being a show that's going into its sixth season, we were kind of in a very unique and uh, gift of a position, actually, to be coming back during a pandemic. I think that launching a new show with all that is happening, the, mm. the protocols both off and on screen, I think would be a huge feat. But for us, I think it was a really cool opportunity. And because we play people who work in stores and obviously the frontline workers, the essential mm. workers that have kept us alive and fed and, and shopping this entire time so that we can take care of ourselves, literally risking their own health and lives. I think it's a really cool opportunity for us to get to to portray them on our show, on a show that you know we've already established for you know five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's kind of like a cool opportunity, but I, it's very surreal. I'll say that. Yeah. I really appreciate that the pandemic has been written into the storylines for this season. I really appreciate the weaving in of, of reality in that and how how you know this funny comedy show deals with life in the pandemic thank you yeah we we you know some shows don't need to do that and plenty of people don't want to see it um and they definitely show up in our twitter mentions but uh but we owed it to that to that group of people to the people we've been playing i mean we were on this show back in march and we were playing these goofy grocery store workers and then we all ran home and hid in in our kitchens and ate takeout for uh, now almost a year while those people that we played ended up becoming life-risking heroes, and it would just mm. be irresponsible of us not to be telling that story mm. and to just be like, here we are in our fun little sitcom world where this disaster didn't happen, even though we made we did, you know, ice in another season. Yeah, you guys take on a lot of social Gun issues. rights, yeah. yeah. We've done all the issues, yeah. so right. it would be you insane kind of, of us can't not, not to. do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you kind of referred to uh, to people on Twitter. You do have a, a hardcore fan base of Superstore fans. Uh, it seems like most of it's positive. I'm sure there's some negative stuff also. Uh, how would you describe sort of what a typical Superstore fan is or what your fan base is like? <sighs> Lauren, you'll be nicer about this. I think. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, the Superstore stands who I've yeah. been engaging with on something called Stan Twitter. <gasps> I'm learning. I'm an old yes. lady, but I'm learning. Um, <laughs> they are... Rabid in the best possible way. They are so invested in the show. They love the show so much. They were so invested in the Jonah Amy storyline, right? That there was an implosion that happened oh, no. uh, <gasps> after our hundredth episode, where yeah. of course Amy and Jonah do bro- break up. Oh. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of teens that were yep. having a hard time. So I uh, on that night I jumped over to Instagram, went went live, and I gave it a, <laughs> a group therapy session, and I <laughs> kind of tried to talk them through like. 
you know, sometimes in life, these <laughs> things happen. And yeah, you better learn than, now. Exactly. I'm like, anything other than a hell yes is a no. You know? <laughs> and they're like, and they, and they were like, you know what, that you're right. And I'm like, I am right. And I've, I've been through enough to know that. So wow. I'm I've, hoping I've had that, you that know. conversation with Lauren before in real life about actual relationships. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's that's very helpful wow. then. Yeah. Lauren, uh, you're, like the, you're like the mom. You're the, you're the like, yeah. therapy mom. Something that yeah. you both have in common uh, as well as this show is you've also done animation voices. I know, uh, Lauren, you were on the She-Ra show for a while. And uh, Ben, you're on a show in the Monsters, Inc. universe. Tell us about yes. that. Uh, super cool. Very, very proud of it. Um, we've been working on it for about three decades. And it's <laughs> oh. got, uh, <laughs> feels like it. But it's cool. It's uh, It's got all the, the people that you love from the movie. Billy Crystal, John Goodman, uh, Henry Winkler's in it. Mindy Kaling oh. is like oh. my best friend on it. Um, it's just a really, really great group of people and they put a lot of, of work into this thing and it looks really, really cool. And it's, it's like, it's kind of like a workplace sitcom. They watched Superstore, among other things, for inspiration when writing it. So. Oh, fun. And what's it called and where can people see it? Monsters at Work and it will be out on Disney+. Plus. Very yes. cool. And Lauren, speaking of voice work, you're adding your voice to the podcast universe. Tell us about this uh, project that you have now. Yes, I have a podcast that's been out for about uh, for a very short period of time. It's called True Crime and Cocktails. Season one was an Unsolved Mysteries edition, and it is myself and uh, my cousin by blood, sister by life, uh, Christy Oxborough. <laughs> and basically, we are obsessed with the new Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. <laughs> We got talking about it drunk on Zoom one night. I said we should record this and put it into the world. People will love it. Yes. And we've been doing it and having an absolute blast of a time. For I know that's the nerdiest thing I've ever said, but we are having a blast. Uh, It's just so much fun. It's a hoot. We. I think I said that at one point. I think I said we're having a hoot. Well, that's Um, what happens when you add the cocktails part to it. I guess. Exactly. And have you solved any of the unsolved mysteries? We've not solved any, uh, but she has uncovered like amazing things. There, it's it's unbelievable to me the things that she has been able to find. She has taught herself how to read forensics reports. What? She finds she gets access to police reports, autopsy reports. There's so much that's public, you know, public have access to. If you're looking for it, mm-hmm. you can find. Yeah. Uh, and she finds it. So it's so fun. <laughs> well, it's so wonderful that you both were able to join us tonight. Thank you so much, Lauren Ash and Ben Feldman. Yay. All right. Lauren and Ben, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you some expertise. Lauren, you said you know a lot about the TV show The X-Files, the TV show 90 Day Fiancé, and the 1992-93 Toronto Blue Jays baseball game. <laughs> Whereas Ben, you said you know a lot about the play and movie Glengarry Glen Ross, <laughs> 1990s alt-rock, and... Los Angeles sandwiches. I knew it. I knew sandwiches was going to be on there. I knew sandwiches was going to be on there. I was going to guess sandwiches. Well, later on, we will ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, copycat. First up, Lauren. Lauren, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Megan Doyle of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Megan. All right, Lauren, in the topic of copycat, copy. Lauren, they both are ways of being a copycat, but what is the difference between imitate and emulate? Imitate 
and emulate. Imitating is doing an impression. You are trying to be the subject, and emulate is holding that person uh, or thing on a pedestal. So it's the impersonation versus reverence. Ooh, I think I saw that movie. Uh, all right, great. We've got Lauren's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Ben, you can steal if you think she's got it all wrong. What do you think? I mean, we may be splitting hairs here, um, but That's I what may we be do copycatting here. her answer. Um, but imitate strikes me as something you would be doing something that has already happened, uh, something that already exists. Some, whereas emulate is reaching to act like something would uh, hypothetically. I don't know. Okay. Does that make sense? That's a good answer. You, you had me until you said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Just edit out the I don't know yep, part. Yep. Okay, I'm Make sure we will. I'm sure okay. we will. All right, this segment is leaving a bad impression. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Imitate simply means to copy someone, and you can do that for a variety of reasons. An impressionist imitates for laughs. A duck hunter imitates duck calls to shoot them. Your big sister imitates you to make you feel bad. True story. Yeah. <laughs> Emulate also means to copy someone, but specifically because you want to achieve or surpass their success. For instance, Franklin Roosevelt admired his older distant cousin, Teddy Roosevelt. He emulated him so much, in fact, that he became president too. Uh, that's right. Now, sometimes you might imitate and emulate. Like, if you want to be a successful celebrity impressionist, you could emulate Rich Little's imitations. Helen, how did they do? I think Lauren got both parts of that correct. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations. That's two points for Lauren Ash. Thank All you right, very up, much. Up next, Ben, in the topic of copycat, cat. While they both can be found on a cat, what is the difference between cat hair and cat fur? Uh, cat hair and cat fur. This ben, is are you boring... a cat guy? Is this speaking to you? I'm not a cat guy. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm whatever the opposite of that would be. Uh <laughs> You'll find that Lauren is a hacker. Ah, okay, so she might be able to get this on the steel. But I will say that fur sheds and hair does not. Therefore, hair would be a hypoallergenic cat, perhaps. That's pretty much all I know. Okay, well, we've got Ben's answer. We don't know yet if he is right. Lauren, what do you think? Okay, cat fur, first of all, it depends on the breed, but cat fur would be, you know, the thick undercoat mm -hmm. and the cat hair is the stuff that comes off that they shed. So they shed the hair, but they always have a base level of fur. Okay, well, the segment is shedding listeners. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Scientifically speaking, cat hair and cat fur are the same thing. But when it comes to how we use these words in the English language, the difference is just like in real estate. Location, location, location. We call it fur when it's on your cat's body. We call it hair when it falls off your cat's body and, and ends up on your furniture, your clothes, floating in your cocktail, so on. Incidentally, cat's whiskers are also made of the same ingredient as fur, keratin, and in science are referred to as hairs. That's right. The usage is the difference. Like if your cat swallows too much fur from bathing, she throws up a hairball. But you feel bad for her because she's just a little furball. True story. Helen, how did our guest do? I think Lauren might have gotten one point. Uh, I was definitely not exactly right. Definitely not. Yeah, because you, but you did say a cat sheds hair. I did. And, and I said it backwards, right? 
Yes. Yeah, you said, Ben said, uh, <laughs> hair does not shed and fur sheds. I, I, heard, I, th- I heard myself on a delay later and I was like, ah, oh, Ben, I, I feel like <laughs> All right, so that's one point for Lauren. Helen, what is her score at the end of this round? At the end of that round, Lauren Ash has three points and Ben Feldman has zero points. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, guess who is sponsoring today's show? Is it Fortunato Chocolate? What an amazing guess. <laughs> yes, that's right. Go Fact Yourself is supported in part by Fortunato Chocolate, and that is very Fortunato for ah. you listeners. Thank you so much. I, I worked on that all night. <laughs> because if you're still looking for a great gift for the holidays, what is a better gift for the person in your life than chocolate? And this is amazing chocolate, Fortunato chocolate. Really? Helen, tell us a little bit about the history of Fortunato. Uh, well, since 2008, Fortunato number four chocolate has been prized by top chocolatiers and pastry chefs in Michelin-starred restaurants. So this That's ain't right. no this ain't no Hershey's kiss. This is no, like no, no, no. This quality. is a chef's kiss. Yes. <laughs> Yes. It's made from rare, organically grown heirloom cacao from the jungles of northern Peru, and it's never been available to the general public until now. Yeah. And Fortunato Number no. 4 is made by a family company, we love that, that has direct relationships with over 400 farmers and a socially conscious business model that helps farm families earn more. So you can feel good while enjoying good, if not great, if not amazing chocolate. Mm. It's available in 36% milk, 47% dark milk, and 68% dark, and it's sold in 1.1-pound bars with minimal packaging to keep it affordable. How affordable? Well, go to their website and find out. It's at podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. What is that, Helen? It's podcastchocolate.com slash gofact. Make sure to go to podcastchocolate.com slash gofact so that they know that you came to them from us. Thank you so much for supporting Go Fact Yourself. Have a wonderful holiday season, and please enjoy lots of chocolate. Thank Thank you you for Chinado Chocolate. (laughs) Macho Man to the top rope. The flying elbow. The cover. We've got a new champion. We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Lauren Ash with three points and Ben Feldman with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Lauren, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show The X-Files, the TV show 90 Day Fiancé, and the 1992-1993 Toronto Blue Jays baseball team. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, tell us why you chose the topic of the TV show The X-Files. 
Well, the X-Files and I have had a deep love affair for decades. Uh, I was, uh, you know, loyal, religious viewer all through when it was originally on. And then over the course of years, my mother and I, every time we got together, we would rewatch. <gasps> so I've rewatched every episode of the show at least twice, a lot of them three times. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, with I've been mother. to a, I went to a convention when I was a child with my mother, an X-Files ah! convention. The love is very real. And what do you think it is about X-Files that appeals to you so much? As a child, a young girl, it was David Duchovny. But uh, <laughs> as it went on, <laughs> as it went on, you know, I think it was really the relationship between Mulder and Scully that I, I loved. And then I loved the sci-fi element. I loved the, the government intrigue. I thought it was just a perfect show. Don't you think the sexual tension between them? Ooh. Mm, Nothing you better. F- you could fry Nothing it. better. Yeah. Well, speaking of sexual tension, you also said you know a lot about the TV show 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Now, this is a show, I've come up with this honestly. I was I was in early, before anybody else was watching this really? thing. Really? Absolutely. You were a hipster one, 90 Day Fiance fan. I'm an OG, okay? <laughs> okay? And the first season, by the way, is pretty pretty benign. It's pretty boring. It is, it's as they went that the show really started to pop. Uh, I guess their casting choices, maybe. Um, they got, you know, you know, more interesting people. I don't know. But I will say that I have gotten so many people to watch this show, specifically before the 90 Days, season one. If anyone comes to me, and a lot of people do, and they say, where do I start, Lauren? There's so much mm-hmm. of it. I say, that is the season to start with. And I've converted many, many people, Ben Feldman being one of them. Oh, really? Yeah, it's true. It's true. I uh, This was before I could get my wife into reality. And so I watched it secretly and shamed on my own. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great season. All right. And then finally, Lauren, tell us why you chose the 1992-1993 Toronto Blue Jays. Listen, I was a very young child at that time. So young. I'm very young. Anyway, yes. don't, do, don't, do the, don't do the math. Um, but no, I, I was a, a child at that time, and I think that uh, obviously them winning the World Series back-to-back, being a, a little kid in Canada, like that was the ultimate. And so that's just something that, first of all, is a, a, a time in my reminiscent memory that I love. And recently, when speaking about baseball, I started like rattling off stuff about specifically that era of the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think I absorbed a lot back then that I didn't even realize. So uh, so I threw that in there. Who knows? Very cool. Are you from Toronto? I'm from just outside Toronto. Yeah. Right. And it was a it was a crazy thing to be a part of because again yeah. it was you know I think at the time the Expos maybe still were in Montreal but we don't have a lot of teams in Canada so it felt like the whole country was behind them if that makes sense. Yeah it was the first time the World Series was actually outside of the USA which was really, right. at least a little bit more of the world. Yeah. Uh, Alright so to summarize Lauren you said you know a lot about the TV show The X-Files, the TV show 90 Day Fiance and the 1992-93 Toronto Blue Jays. Today we're going to quiz you about 90 Day Fiance. Yes. You seem very, very (laughs) excited. Now, for those who don't know the show, can you give us maybe just like a 20-second recap of of what the show is? Of course. It is a show that is on TLC, the Learning Channel, and it shows, it follows the (laughs) lives of people who are in long-distance relationships around the world. There's different variations on the show. It's a huge universe now, but the original version, it was people who were already engaged, and the American was bringing the the person from wherever in the world that they were engaged to to America on a K-1 visa, which means you have 90 days to get married. The drama flew. It's a great watch. (laughs) Great. Now, as you mentioned, it's had a whole universe now. It's got a bunch of spinoffs. Do you watch all of those spinoffs as well? It's truthfully, it's getting hard to keep up with all the spinoffs. I watch like the main, 
kind of chunk, but they mm-hmm. they have a quarantine show. They have a pillow talk show where other <laughs> cast members just comment on uh, the, the current episodes of the show. So it's it's a lot of content. I mm-hmm. definitely have not watched all of it, but in terms of the you know traditional seasons, mm-hmm. I have watched all of it. And do you have a favorite couple from the uh, run of the show? It's so hard to choose. Paul and Karini <laughs> would definitely be up there for me. I think Paul is one of the most... Uh, interesting television career, character is uh, his. He's just he's a quirky guy, very honest, very earnest, and they started following me on Instagram. Both of them. Oh, and, what? Uh, That's the best. Sometimes he has been known to send me videos of their baby. I what? I still nerd out. I nerd out. What? I nerd That's, out. Well, people who love the show really love the show, as uh, Lauren I believe will prove in our quiz today. Now, yeah. just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Ben, do listen closely because you can steal if Lauren gets any wrong. Ben, tell us a little bit more about how much you know about 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I know a little tiny bit from that one season that I watched Only one season? Okay, well, we'll see if that's the one that uh, maybe Lauren slips up on, gives you a chance to answer. There's no way Lauren is going to miss something that I picked up. (laughs) Well, let's find out. Here's question number one, and Lauren, I have a feeling you're going to know the answer to this. The 90 day in 90 Day Fiance refers to the length of time couples have to get married after they are approved for what type of U.S. visa? K-1 visa. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Came up in our conversation, a K-1 or a fiance visa as it is known. All right, you're on the board. Here's question number two. The very first couple we meet in the very first episode of the first season of the show is Alan and Curlium. He lives in Los Angeles and she lives in Brazil, but that's not the only cultural difference they have to negotiate because they met when Alan was on a religious mission to her hometown and he has been disapproving of some of her activities, including modeling, because of his religious beliefs. What religion does Alan practice? I believe he's a Mormon. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Mormonism. Very good. You're two for two. Here's question number three. As we've talked about, 90 Day Fiancé has led to several spinoffs. But which of the following is not the title of a 90 Day Fiancé spinoff? Is it Darcy and Stacy, Elizabeth and Andre, The Other Way, What Now, or Ask Mama Chantel? Oh. I didn't know Elizabeth and Andre was a show, and I didn't know Ask Mama Chantel was either. I mm. You do have a hint available if you'd like to mm-hmm. use your hint. No, well, no Elizabeth and Andre. Hint. Elizabeth and Andre. Helen? That is correct. That yes. is correct. Very nice. Other spin-offs include Happily Ever After, question mark, self-quarantined, and before the 90 days. Alright, you're just rolling right through this. You are three for three. Here's question number four. Some couples on the show meet online and don't get together in person until the cameras are rolling. This can lead to some awkward moments, such as when in season three, Nikki came to the U.S. from the Philippines to meet Mark. He greeted her at the airport with roses and chocolates, but then reprimanded her in his car when she dared to touch what? The window. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It was the window. Fun fact, at the time of the show, Mark was 58 and Nikki was 19. According to In Touch Weekly, Mark also berated her for the way she breathed, and he filed multiple lawsuits against the show, all of which have been thrown out. Wow. He also left the pictures of his first wife up around the home, and she said, could we take these down? And he said, no. Anyway. Not one of the fan favorites, Mark. Not a fan favorite. Are these two still together? 
I am not sure if they're still together. I, I know that there has been a recent internet push to to find Nikki because people are like, <laughs> should we check on her? How's that going, you know? Yeah. Wow. All right, Lauren, you've gotten four correct. You have a chance to go five for five if you can get this answer correct. Though it seems that finding love via a reality show is foolproof. Alas, as of this recording, according to producers, eight couples in the 90-day universe have married and divorced. As in, they have had their divorces finalized. Name two of these couples. Colt and Larissa. Okay. Who else divorced? Think, Lauren, you, think. You do oh. have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. I'm going to take a hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? One of the people shares a name with a Muslim prophet, another with a brand of firearms. Of course. Danielle and Muhammad and Larissa and Colt. Helen? That is correct. Lauren Ash is five for five. <laughs> Wow, wow, that is correct. Quick fun fact. Yes. Uh, my stepdad my stepdad got me a signed 8x10 of Danielle for Christmas a couple years ago. <laughs> wow. I have so, it displayed in my home. It's great. So you're, you're not one of those people who kind of sheepishly watches it. You, your whole family knows that you're into this and they celebrate it too. We're all in. We're oh, all that's in. great. That's yep. great. Uh, this is why I hate being here. <laughs> hey, Ben, at least she didn't give you a chance to get any of them wrong. That's trying to look it on the bright side. That was actually a thought that did cross my mind. <laughs> By the way, the other couples who have been divorced are Jonathan and Fernanda, yes. uh, Molly and Luis, Jason and Casilla, Ymir and Chelsea, Laura and Aladdin, and Jorge and Anfisa. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Colton, Larissa, and Danielle and Mohammed. All right, Lauren, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Lauren, couples on 90 Day Fiancé come from all over the world and are known primarily by their first names. But for up to three points, name the two couples who include a person from Thailand and of the four people in these couples, name any one of their last names. <sighs> Thailand. I'm thinking of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, gosh. What was her name? Man, oh man, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get it. I I can picture them. He ran. He wrote a song about her. Oh, oh, oh! David and Annie. David and Annie went to, to Thailand. Annie is from Thailand. Okay, right? So David. David. Uh, well, Tobo, we'll tell you. Tobo Toborowski. Okay, so you're gonna say David and Annie, and Toborowski is one of the surnames, and then you're not gonna be able to guess on the other. That's correct. Okay. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a couple who was featured on 90 Day Fiancé, 90 Day Fiancé What Now, 90 Day Fiancé Pillow Talk, 90 Day Fiancé Happily Ever After, and their own cooking show, Spice It Up with David and Annie. No! It's, <laughs> it's David and Annie Toborowski. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Hello, Hi. David and Annie. Lauren, if you want a side picture, no charge. Let us know. Oh. We have to be a side picture. I love you guys so much. This is so awesome to meet you. So genuinely. Thank you. I, you know, what's funny is Paul Abdul reached out to me through a mutual friend to ask me about what was going on with Paul and Karini. Because I talk to Paul all the time. So you're... And funny you say the same things that everybody asks. What's going on with Paul and Karini? He asks himself every day. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Oh, uh, I'm so glad. This is so great. I'm I'm totally speechless. You guys are the best ones on that show. Oh, That's just the, the God's so honest much. truth. 
It's true. For those who aren't as familiar with the 90 Day Universe, I should explain that you were on season five of 90 Day Fiance. That's when you... That's when Lauren hated me, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that was common, okay? Everyone had their issues, but then we got to know you. Then we got to know you. Well, what's so interesting is that as, as I was researching for this show, uh, I saw so many internet comments, and so many of them were people who, who thought that because of your age difference and your cultural difference yeah. and your families that you weren't going to work out, and now you're, you're their favorite couple. <laughs> well, I couldn't ask for a better oh, queen in the world. Yeah, she is, we, I call her my queen each mm, and every day. We work so hard on that. To prove ourselves, we did it together. Well, because if two people stick together... Nothing bad can happen. And that's how we've gotten through this year. And <laughs> we tell that to anybody is whether from quarantine or to what you all are doing by showing what is going on yeah. in your universe. We will get through this pandemic and we will be stronger for it, better for it. Mm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And one of the spinoffs that you did was about your life in quarantine. And one of the interesting things that I, f I found from, from watching clips of that is that, uh, first of all, that going out for you has become a different experience because you get recognized. Uh, and uh, But also that you've had to deal with a lot of negative online comments as, as, uh, yes. as many as positives that have been. T tell us about how you how do you put up with those negative comments and, and even the bullying. And of, unfortunately, and of course, because it's the Internet, some of them have been oh, yeah. racially motivated. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. It, it was. I mean, Annie went through this comment where she said, you're draining on America, you're dragging, you're, you're sucking the mm. life out of me. I didn't know we had much life left us at the time. I mean, you know, it was like CPR, but that's okay. You know, I mean, it just people have, they were angry, they were frustrated. Where do you take your anger out? Yeah. This is, of course, pre-election season before mm -hmm. we got into. Mm -hmm. So they would take it on anything. And, of course, we were very visible. Yes. Annie has given away over 800 to 1,000 masks she made herself. Mm -hmm. And I'm still enjoying the life, even though I'm quarantined at home, doing math, do all the work, you know, sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning because all the work. And I still enjoy the life. Sometimes people, you know, they might be uh, miserable or maybe they go on something we don't know that's make they turn the negative. They need to hit on mm. someone just to make themselves feel good. So I Well, I saw a quote from you, Annie. You said, uh, you can give them your kidney, they'll still hate you. Yeah, some people that's what they say. Yeah. Well, let me charge for it first. We're going to give a kidney. I'm going to get at least a premium price. <laughs> <laughs> My father didn't sit on the board of the synagogue for nothing. I mean, it's, you know... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about this cooking show. Uh, sure. It's called Spice It Up. People can see it on Facebook Watch, and uh, there's yes. some episodes on YouTube as well. Um, did this start because when you guys were watching Pillow Talk, Annie would come and, and make food, <laughs> and even in bed? Well, let me tell you the genesis of Annie cooking. Growing up, you know, they still, even to this day, her mom cooks outside on charcoal. Mm -hmm. And when we lived in the storage facility, we didn't have a proper kitchen. So Annie can cook from anywhere. Yes. I've literally mm. seen her crouching down. I thought she was using the bathroom. <laughs> and it's just the way she cooks over the, the hot plate at that time. We love the show. Yeah. You know, we were on it. We've been part of it. We and uh, as the people know me at the first, at the beginning, you know, they know I love to cook. Because I always mm -hmm. say I love to cook, I like to cook, and I like to put the photo of my food, you know, on social media. And Bourdain and Zimmer have been an inspiration for me, me for many years. I've been to 65, 66 countries in my life, mm -hmm. either for work or for travel. And it's a way, because if you break bread together and you share a meal and you share culture, you're not fighting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we can change the world one meal at a time by sharing each other's culture. And that's what we basically have done. And we just got back a month and a half ago from Zanzibar. From, I surprised her because... You know, her English, she listens to her Thai music. She wouldn't know if we were going to Toronto or if we were going to <laughs> Tanzania. It wouldn't make a difference to her. Um, so we got on the plane, went through Doha. And that's, you know, we got to experience their culture. We shared food. Um, 
And that's really what the whole genesis of cooking mm-hmm. and sharing, not just our relationship, but when you do it through food and you share cultures and stuff, how can we go wrong with that? And Annie, you, you kind of yes. take control with these uh, with these with this cooking show oh because you're cooking God. a lot of your traditional Thai dishes. Yes. How did you learn to make these dishes? Uh, how I love to cook uh, for my mother, for my grandmother, for my generation. And also when I was 16, you know, I lived with a, a president. Uh, what do you call the, the school director? Yeah, the, the school, school director. She taught me a lot how to cook. That's great. I kind of want to go back a little bit. Why did each of you want to be on the show? I can understand you're wanting to get married. and Sure. I can understand you're wanting to find love, but why have that documented for so many people? Well, let me tell you, I'm not, I've gained weight, but when I went to Thailand in 2013, I was at the lowest point in my life. I restarted my life. I lost a lot of weight when I was over there. I was living in China, working when I met Annie. And And I wasn't really prepared coming back to the U.S., to be honest with you, after five years. And by sharing our story or sharing it, there's a lot of guys, and you guys are younger, that were my age that went through 08, 9, 10 with the downturn, lost their homes, cars. A lot of them end up taking their own lives. I restarted my life at 45. Now, I'm 52 now, so I'm 15 years older than I guess you are, Lauren. Um, <laughs> you know, and being able to share that was hope for other people. And then sharing our life, because we have something that is unique that I've found very rare. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's my best friend. We have not been apart since we've been married for more than 12 hours. Yeah. Mm. To me, uh, before I met him, I never think I will marry because I still love, you know, my single life, my, you know, enjoy and whatever I do. So, but when I met him, I feel like, a, mm, I feel like, a, but, but, you know, before I met him, I always feel like my, my, my inside, my heart is really empty. But mm-hmm. after I meet him, we laugh together, we enjoy life together, watch movie together. Everything I want to know, I ask him, he just like the Google. <laughs> he just answer me right away. That he's always make me feel like home. Anywhere we go, if I am with him, I always feel like home. That's why Aww. make you know my heart so open for him and I feel love him more. Oh, Aww. you guys are gonna make me barf. <laughs> well, at least you won't have to worry. You can take enough pills and we'll help you cure that. But um... <laughs> Well, I have to say, watching you guys, and especially compared to some of the other couples on the show, you can't help but do it. But just, just the, the, the joy and the fun that yes, you guys seem to yes, have with each yes. other really comes across. You know, and we wish each of them well. We wish mm-hmm. them the best, you know, no matter what it is. Sometimes I might not agree with the yeah. way they're going about it, but you still mm-hmm. hope. You want to shake them sometimes. There's times when you look at Big Ed and you're like, what the hell mm-hmm. are you doing? You can give them an advice, doesn't mean they will take your advice. So yeah, everybody have a different journey. Everybody have a different mindset and different way for them to make themselves happiness. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Lauren. We wanted to know who the two couples in the 90-day universe where one of the people comes from Thailand. Uh, Lauren was not able to give us one of the answers, so no point for that. But what was the answer for the other couple that... Lauren gave, Helen. Lauren said David and Annie. David and Annie, was Lauren correct? <laughs> yes, Lauren was correct. She yes. even got my last name, pronounced it correctly, which I can't even do half the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was another part of our question. We wanted to know one of the last names. It was Toborowski, so congratulations. That's two points there for Lauren. The other answers, the other couple uh, that we were looking for was, of course, Kyle and Noon. Kyle yes. and Noon was the other couple. Kyle's I last name is faces. Huckabee. Uh, Noon's last name was Boonma, and uh, Annie, your maiden name is Suwan. Suwan. Yes. Suwan. 
So we would have accepted that as well. Which is so much easier than she went from a Suwon to Toborowski. I felt so bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. She really does love you. Yeah. Well, before we let David and Annie go, Lauren, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to them while we have him here? Listen, I've already gushed and I'll continue to. I just, I commend you for, again, having so much fun with, with this entire universe. I think you're right. I think uh, for me, I love documentaries. I love learning about other places, other mm-hmm. people. I love And I love love. And so I think that that's part of this. And I think, again, um, you guys are just, you bring so much joy to it. You bring so much happiness. And I know that the show obviously is edited in a way. But the point is, is that over time, the truth, you know, comes through. And you can kind of tell that with the cast members that continue on for longer periods as you get to know them more. And you two are just, oh, you're the sweethearts you. of the whole universe. I'm so happy to meet you. Oh, and I'm so here. happy you're here. Thank Very you. genuinely. Ben, um, Lauren, my stepdad's going to lose his mind. He's going to lose his mind. <laughs> he texts about 90 Day Fiance every day. So this is going to get uh, some real cool well, points for, for me. We appreciate being able to be on your game show and getting to watch what you guys are going through. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting when you're put on the, the hot seat, how quick you can, you have a great recall and Ben, great ad-libbing. No matter what, even if you didn't believe what you were saying, great <laughs> You definitely were See? trying to emulate Lauren. I really That's awesome. do. You know? <laughs> yeah. Dave and nice. Annie, if people want to find your show or find out more what you're up to, where can they go? Um, you can go to Spice It Up with David and Annie. It is on Facebook Watch or TLC Me. And to catch up, obviously, you can go to TLC.com or TLC Go catch up on the app. Yes, and so they can also can follow my Facebook page. It's Chanokne Suwan Toboraski. It's kind of like my name. It's just Google yeah. my name. It will pop up my Facebook page. I also share to my Facebook page and also David uh, Toboraski Facebook page. Yes. I'm pretty much everywhere. If I haven't liked something you have, then something's wrong. So it's, I try <laughs> to like everything. Um, well, we certainly like that you joined us today. Thank you so well, much for being with you. us. Thank it's us. David and Annie Toboraski. Thank, thank you. Bye, guys. All right. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Lauren Ash has 10 points and Ben Feldman has zero points with a round of questions for Ben coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Ben about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Ben and Lauren will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phone's autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. (laughs) How about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster? Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. Or the time we finally cracked the Adobe Photoshop feature film. Stamp tool is your Woody, and then the autofill oh, is the new Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies Hollywood is too cowardly to make. Story Break comes out every Thursday on Maximum Fun. I don't know why I'm using this voice now. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Lauren Ash with 10 points and Ben Feldman with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Ben, chance for you to put some points on the board. Of your many yeah. interests, you told us you know a lot about the play and movie Glengarry Glen Ross, 90s alt-rock, and Los Angeles sandwiches. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose the play and movie Glengarry Glen Ross for one of Glenn your topics. Glengarry Glen Ross is a very important uh, piece to me. Lauren, quit it with the eye rolling. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm delightfully chuckling. It was not an eye roll. It was a delighted chuckle. I, I don't want to come off as an expert in any of these because I will miss uh, everything. I, I'm not good at remembering movies. I'm not one of those people that can quote everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a movie that really mattered to me. And in college, in acting school, when I was a, a theater major, 
this was the greatest male ensemble any of us had ever seen. And so we just watched it a thousand times. And uh, I just spent all of college and the majority of my adult life and even a good amount of time on the Superstore set uh, being Pacino from that movie. The, you know, <laughs> Interesting. The, uh, Are you, have you ever done a production of it? No, never. I've seen it on Broadway and it's hard to divorce, especially Pacino who's just like, you just cost me $6,000 and one Cadillac. What are you going to do about it? Like <laughs> that was so good. Wow, that, that was so amazing. You know, yeah, and I've seen, it's just, it's, it's I don't know, it, it, it really left a, a mark. All right. Ben, you also said you know a lot about 90s alt rock. 90s uh, alt rock was a big, uh, big part of my life. I mean, 90s music in general was a big part of my life. Like who? I, I, like I, what kind of, like what bands? Uh, the obvious, I mean, you know, there was like the day Kurt Cobain died, I just wept <laughs> by my little TV in my room and drew, I, I wonder if it's here. It must be somewhere here, like a little pencil etching of him. Like there's a moment in his unplugged where he looks up in the middle of, um, I forget which song, the, the, where did you sleep last night? He like looks up and the camera catches his eyes and it's like this to like 14 year old me it was like this mm. profound beautiful moment where i was mm. looking into the soul of a ghost and uh and so i like drew all these pictures i had pictures of kurt cobain everywhere but you know them pearl jam everybody all of those people um mm. and then a whole bunch of gangster rap him. <laughs> and then finally ben you said you know a lot about los angeles sandwiches so sandwiches are a giant obsession of mine in general a long time ago someone asked um my me and my soon-to-be wife I-, I wanted to get a tattoo i still haven't gotten one but they were like well what would you get and i was like well the only thing that i know i'll love until the day i die is a sandwich um <laughs> And I'm still, and that's still the plan is to get a sandwich tattooed somewhere. Will you please get me. a tramp stamp? A, a, <laughs> yeah. Like. I feel like the, just the shape of a sandwich in that place would be suggested. I feel like there'd be other uh, references or, or I don't know. That, that wouldn't say the right message. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining like a Philippe's French dip on your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> but, it wouldn't, but here, Helen, that's, that's an important, that's an important distinction. I, it's, I shouldn't even be as broad as to say all sandwiches because I like more classic cold cut. I don't even like the hot sandwiches. Oh. I don't even take your meatball somewhere else. I don't want it. Wow. I want a meatball sandwich. Shots yeah. fired. Your steak and cheese, beat it. Yeah. So I what, want something cold. What is your favorite sandwich in LA? Easily the best sandwich in LA is for me the Larchmont Wine and Spirits over on Larchmont. It's a little wine shop mm-hmm. um, for those who don't know. And if you go at lunchtime, there's a line out. Oh, the door. I know. In COVID time, there's a line down to. You I know. drove past it three days ago, and there is a humongous line because it was lunchtime. What's their specialty? I get the number four, which is turkey uh, on French. Sometimes I'll go tuna when they have it because that's a special thing that they do. <gasps> Um, but yeah, they're they're the best. They're All the right. Best. So to summarize, Ben, you said you know a lot about the play and movie Glengarry Glen Ross, 90s alt rock, and Los Angeles sandwiches. Today we're going to quiz you about Glengarry Glen Ross. All right. Let's do this. You mentioned that you'd seen it on Broadway. Do you remember which production that was? Yes. Uh, Liev Schreiber, uh, gosh, well, I'm going to say mid to late early, uh, aughts. I'm, okay. I'm not sure. And are you a, are you a fan of uh, David Mamet in general? Yeah, I am very much so. I mean, it was a as a theater kid in in college. I wasn't one of the musical theater kids. Mm-hmm. I was like the drama. Um, and as like straight guy, 
can't sing in a theater department. Like you want those like masculine, <laughs> broy yeah. shows. And Mamet wrote a lot of them. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery Boy. in the subject with the expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, Ben, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want to, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Lauren, uh-huh. do listen closely because if Ben answers incorrectly, you can steal. Lauren, by the way, how much do you know about Glengarry Glen Ross? I read it once in theater school, and Ooh. I also have seen it, maybe, in the movie. But uh, yeah, so I don't know that my level of knowledge would be anywhere even close. So I oh. think that you got a real chance to shine here, buddy, and I'm rooting for you. All right, Ben, she's rooting for you. Let's see if we can uh, shine indeed. Here's question number one. Ben, one of the most famous scenes from the movie version of Glengarry Glen Ross does not appear in the play. It's when a character played by Alec Baldwin introduces the salesman to his method of selling called ABC. The A stands for always, the B stands for the word B, and the C stands for what activity that a salesman should always be doing. Always be closing. Helen? Remember, boys and girls, always, A always, B, B, C, closing. That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, that scene has been parodied in many subsequent movies and TV shows, including by Alec Baldwin himself on Saturday Night Live, where he gives Mm -hmm. a similar speech to Santa's workshop. Yeah, the Christmas one. It's so good. I love that. (laughs) Great. All right, here's question number two. The play was written by David Mamet, but who wrote the screenplay adapting the stage play into the movie? David Mamet. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Couldn't fool you on that one. <laughs> that was I. Lo- the way you asked it was really that was impressive. You should. That's that's good acting. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, an endorsement. Uh, fun fact: It's been reported that Mamet received five hundred thousand dollars for the rights to make a movie and another five hundred thousand dollars to write the screenplay. Hmm, Here's question smart. number three. One of the main characters is Sheldon Levine, but he's rarely called by that name. Besides Shelley, what nickname do his co-workers use for him? The Machine! F*** the Machine! That's what they say. (laughs) Ellen? That is correct. That is, of course, correct. Very nice with a little uh, impersonation in there as well. <laughs> and uh, Levine was played in the movie by Jack Lemmon. Fun oh, fact, so The Machine good. is also the nickname of Angel's designated hitter, Albert Pujols. All right, you are three for three, Ben. That was more of a fun fact for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some, some of our fun facts are questionably fun. Sure. Yes. Sure. And yet, all of them factual. Here's question number four. You still do have two hints available. The title, Glengarry Glen Ross, is taken from the names of two real estate developments the salesmen are trying to sell. Name one of them. Glen Ross Farms. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Ben triumphantly Ooh. pumping his fist. Did not remember the other one. Uh, the Glengarry other one is Glengarry Highlands. Glengarry Highlands. Highlands and Glen Ross Farms. Glengarry. Because the Highlands Glen one is, that's those are the leads. Those are the ones that they care about, and I forgot... Okay. That's okay. You're four for four. Ben, you have a chance to go five for five if you can get this next question correct. Okay. Ben, some see the play and movie as an exploration of masculinity. In fact, in the play, there are no roles specifically written for women, and the movie only adds one on-screen speaking role for a woman. What is that role? A... You do have a hint uh, available. I know you're excited, but just to let you know, if you'd like to use the hint, you let can. Me, let me hear a hint, but I think I know. Okay. Helen, how about that first hint? The character's name is her job, and you used to see women perform this job near the entrance of restaurants and nightclubs, but not so much anymore. Hostess. Helen? 
That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. <gasps> it was sorry. someone in a restaurant. I thought it was like server or bartender or something. What was it? No, well, well we'll get to that in a second. But okay. uh, no, that means, Lauren, you have a chance to steal. Oh, gosh. Oh, and in the front of, I'm trying to think of what I would, I would have said hostess too. Uh, waitress? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. No point for either of you. Coat check girl. Coat she was a check. coat check oh, right. girl. Yes. That's right. She only has one line. It takes place in the first few minutes of the film. And uh, that role was played by Lori Tan Chin in that Chinese restaurant across the street from their office. Oh, yeah. Still, Ben, raining. you must. They all needed coats. That's right. You got it. Where are you going to put those coats? All right, Ben, you still did very well in your round. Now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Ben, Glengarry Glenn Ross has been seen in four notable forms, three productions on Broadway and a movie. For those four performances, three of the actors playing Richard Roma have been either nominated for an Oscar or won a Tony for the role. So for up to three points, who are three of the four actors who played Richard Roma on Broadway or in the movie? So Pacino. Okay. Um, Liev Schreiber. Okay. Um, and shoot, I feel like Dustin Hoffman... I don't know. That's going to be a guess because I don't remember who played it earlier. Uh, you're going to go with Dustin Hoffman, though? Sure, why not? Okay, great. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor whose long career has featured several collaborations with David Mamet, including winning a Tony for his role in the original cast of Glen Gary, Glen Ross. It's Joe Montaigne! Oh, my ah! God, Joe Montaigne. Hello, Mr. Montaigne. Are you there? Right. I'm here. How you doing? Very, Hi. very well. So nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Oh, my God. It's really That's you. so cool. <laughs> well, somebody's got to be me, I guess. I <laughs> yeah, you did it on Broadway. I did it on Broadway in 1984. It was, I, I did the original production on Broadway, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, we'll talk to you about that in a moment, but of course people recognize you from your dozens of movies, including Searching for Bobby Fischer, The Godfather Part Three, where you worked with Al Pacino, and uh, House of Games, many of those. Uh, you did 13 years on Criminal Minds. And something that you have in common uh, with Ben is that you've directed some of the episodes that you've been in uh, of, of your show. Uh, what's that like to direct yourself and to direct others on a show like Criminal Minds? Well, it was a real privilege and a real joy, actually. I, I wound up doing, uh, I think, nine nine episodes of the show. Um, and, and a few of us wound up doing that. I mean, a show that ran total 15 seasons gave us that opportunity. It, it was a wonderful experience, especially because we were also very close. And yeah. So, so I, I love doing it. You stay in touch with the cast, Dylan. I understand you guys have a, have a running text thread? Yeah, we do. I mean, especially the, the, that final eight of us mm -hmm. that, uh, that wound up doing the last three or four years. And... Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they, they both understand, especially being well, on the series. Our friend uh, Kristen Vangsness has been on our show. That's right. Oh, yeah, Kirsten is, 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 well, she is, anybody who watches the show, they ask, they often say, is she really like that? And I go, yeah, even more yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think you'd want to go back and do another TV series after 13 years on that? Yeah, I would. I mean, for me, I mean, television, doing a television series actually was a kind of a choice of mine at one point in my career because I, I've been very blessed to have done a lot of theater, done a lot of films. But there came a time in my career, especially after my children were born and started growing up, that it was the travel 
that became kind of difficult in some ways. And, and I wanted to travel more on my own time as opposed to, you know, oh, I got to go here, there and everywhere. Uh, it, it was nice to be able to travel. In fact, something that Lauren will appreciate. I used to work a lot in Toronto. And the, the year we shot uh, Searching for Bobby Fisher, I took Ben Kingsley to his very first baseball game, which was the what? Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> oh, what? That's and, amazing. Oh, and not only that, we became very close friends with uh, Dave Boomer Wells. Oh, sure. The, the pitcher, Dave of Wells. Of course. Won, won a World because Series a, on one of those teams. Yeah, because while we were up there, the band Chicago was also going to be playing a concert in Toronto. And uh, they contacted me because I've known them since I was a teenager. That's a whole other story. I was in a band in the 60s and I used to play kind of with them. We toured together and all that. Anyway, they called me and says, hey, you know, you want to you come to the concert? We, we know you're, you're up and we heard from your wife. You're up in Toronto. We're, we'll be there. I said, great. So I said, can I bring some of the cast members? They said, great. So I, I asked Ben Kingsley and Joan, uh, Joan Allen if they'd like to go to this Chicago concert. And I said, and I said, what? I said the Moody Blues are playing with them. And of course, Ben loved that. He went, oh, the Moody Blues. That's my, I, I love that. Thing. So, oh, wait, I love how you say, of so, course, as if we all know the huge Moody Blues fan that Sir Ben Kingsley well, is. Well he, well, he was, as he was. But so what was funny is, they, so, so Ben says to me, he goes, he goes so uh, is there a, do we have a vehicle taking us to the, the engagement? I says, yeah, we've got a vehicle. I said, just meet in the hotel lobby. And of course, we're in a lobby, and Ben's expecting like a car to pull up. The Chicago bus pulls up in front of the in front of the hotel with the name Chicago on the side. And he looks at me. I go, "Yeah, that's right. We're, we're going with the band." <laughs> so we we go up onto the bus, and all, now these guys are very Chicago guys, as is myself. Yeah. And uh, so they see me, it's like, "Hey, Joe, I'm fucking Joe, hey, Joe." And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, here's my my two guests, Joan Allen and Ben Kingsley. And so instantly when they see Ben, they get like, oh, like, oh, oh, well, oh, Mr. Kingsley, please. They became like they were from, you know, London. All of a sudden. What? what even is your life? <laughs> no, I want to know more. Like, I want to know I'm more about sitting. the band that you were in. Well, I was in a band called the Apocryphals. Now, our band, we were a great, good cover band. In other words, we, we, we let's say we played in, in uh, African-American black neighborhoods. We put on the white temptation suits and sing all kinds of soul music. If we oh, would, my God. When we played in the suburbs, we put on Paisley and we would do all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, oh, you my know. God. So we, we were whores. I mean, we would just play what they wanted to hear. Uh, well, needless to say, yeah. uh, you know, I, when I finally left playing. The, I was in the band for five years. Then I got cast in the play Hair in 1969. Which was my first. You did the original hair. The Broadway hair. I did after Broadway. They opened one in Los Angeles. They opened one in Chicago. Okay. So I did the one in Chicago. And so, did you have to get naked and run through the audience? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. That's a whole other story. That's how I got my wife, though, because she was in the play too. So so it worked out. Is that where you met her? Well, we, we, we actually knew each other before, but that's when we first got together. So her and I have been together since 1969. Oh, so, oh that's uh, awesome. So that, that that worked out. Uh, and I and I and I, I, I credit the, the nude scene to to why she's <laughs> to me. But that's that's my story. She knew what she was getting into. Well, let me ask you about Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, how did you first get involved in that play? Well, you know, I, I've known Mamet since about nineteen early seventies, maybe nineteen seventy two in Chicago. I was studying to be in. Well, this was past that. I was in a theater company called the Organic Theater in Chicago. We were doing straight plays, original, for most part original stuff that we were doing. And Dave Mamet was in town trying to peddle his stuff as a, as a playwright. And I remember this is how we met. We were at the 
I, I, I was, had been a student at the Goodman School of Drama, which is now the theater school at DePaul University. And he sees me coming down the stairs and he stops me and goes, hey, I, and he had seen me in this production I had done at the Organic Theater of this, whatever play that was. And he says, hey, I really like you in this play. I'd love you to maybe someday we'll work together. You can, you know, you can do my stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, great. You know, whoever you are. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be terrific. Well, as it turned out, a little short time passed and he, he came to our theater company and, and our producing director, Stuart Gordon, and he picked up on Dave's talent mm-hmm. in his writing. And he said, yeah, this guy's really, let's do some of his stuff. And so Mamet came to us with the original script of American Buffalo, mm-hmm. which is, the, by the way, the movie that Dustin Hoffman did, that yeah, Ben was I've, thinking of. In retrospect. But when he came to us with that script, all he wanted to do was hear it. And I remember at the end of it, Mamet saying, so what would you think? You know, I remember like, you know, I probably said stuff like, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. I don't, the ending could probably use a little work or something. Yeah. Oh, who knows? I don't think you're going to win the Pulitzer or anything. No, no, no. So as it turned out, that led to many other things like that. In other words, David would call me and say, would you like, I'm doing the reading of my stuff. He still wasn't really well known, but he, you know, starting to get some play. He said, would you, we're doing reading of my stuff at the Chicago Public Library. Would you read some of my stuff? I said, of course, you know, and I, because I felt that I, the kind of characters he was writing for was kind of the way I grew up. I grew up in the west side of Chicago, and, and he was writing about characters in a world that I kind of felt very familiar with. And then it was 1983, I get this phone call. I'm living here in Los Angeles doing little bit parts on sitcoms. And, um, and he called. He says, hey, I've got this new play, uh, thinking we're going to take it to Chicago and see how it goes. And if it goes, we'll go to New York. You, you in? I said, well, yeah, send me the play. Let me check it out. Now, I knew nothing about real estate. I, my, my parents never owned a house, so I grew up in apartments my entire life. So he sends me this play. I read the play, and it's all about leads and this, and I don't know what the hell a lead is. I, I, it was like reading hieroglyphics mm. to me. But I could tell that it was like, it was a great character. So Ricky Roma, yeah, this guy seems, man, I could relate to the guy, but I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so I literally, I remember Mamet called me the next day, goes, so Joe, uh, uh, we call, he almost calls me Montaigne. Yo, Montaigne. He goes, uh, so did you read the play? What do you think? I said, uh, and I lied to him. I said, you know, Dave, I didn't get to it. I couldn't get to it. Something came up. I'll, I'll read it today. Because I realized I got to find out what the hell a lead is. And <laughs> so I made some phone calls to like guys I knew that like had lived in homes that understood real estate. <laughs> and I said, oh, a lead. Yeah, this is when you did that. And I was like, oh, okay. So then when I read it again, it's like, okay, at least I know what the hell he's talking about, what he's doing. So then I called Dave back, and I really, my wife and I, we, you know, we were in L.A. Like I said, we lived in a little apartment in, in Studio City. It was great and all, but I was, I, I wasn't committed to do anything. So it was like, sure, Dave, let's go. You know, this sounds like fun, you know, and uh, that was it. So obviously, doing Glenn Gary changed my life because I went from, you know, guy doing like you know little bits here and there, and wondering where the next job's coming from. That no, I'm, we're in New York. I won the Tony Award. He won the, the play wins the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. Uh, I'm able to do the play for a year on Broadway tour, six months with Peter Falk around the, the country. Mm. So 1984, 1984 been Betty Betty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> Joe, uh, have you written a memoir? Yeah, seriously. No, no, man, like too many people are gonna have to die before. It <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. 
Uh, man, there's so much I want to ask you about, but uh, I, uh, let me let me wrap up with this. Uh, of all sure. of the different work that you've had uh, over the years, of all the d- different times you've done theater and TV shows and movies, uh, you've said that nothing interferes, though, with your doing The Simpsons. Uh, you, yeah, that's true. You, you played you know, Fat true. Tony on The Simpsons. Why is that so important to you? I, I read that even if, if, if Fat Tony coughs or, or, or has well, one because, line, you, you know want to what? be there. I think the actors, both the actors could relate to this. But my feeling is, you know, there are moments that when you're doing a movie or TV show, whatever it may be, they'll say, uh, hey, you know, we, we need to do a close-up of, of, of just the hand there. And we didn't get it in the last shot, but we'll, get, we'll let you stand and do it. We'll just get it. And my feeling is, I said, no, no, you can't do that. And they'll say, well, why? It's just your hand. Nobody will know. I said, I'll know. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the uh, character of the voice. So they figure, okay, they brought me in to play this guy on this cartoon show that I knew very little about. But I'll, let me check this out. And I, I looked at it. I thought I looked at a couple of their, because this was their third season. I thought, oh, this is, looks fun. Yeah, this looks great. I'll do it. And I was very close to my Uncle Willie. So I, I, I thought, I'll try it. So I remember I, I finally, you know, I did my first line, like, yeah, how you doing? This is whatever. And and nobody said stop. So he says, oh, great. So I did it thinking, that's it. One shot deal. I'm out. My, my Uncle Willie will get a kick out of it that I used his voice. But then when they called me back a few weeks later, saying, you know, yeah. I like the character. Would you consider doing it again? I said, well, hell yeah, I'll do it again. Why not? Uh-huh. Well, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing it for 30 years now. Uh, and uh, But I love it. And like I say, it's, it's not... Um, some things you do for the bucks, some you do for the yucks. <laughs> I think th- th- those regulars on The Simpsons, they're doing it for the bucks. Joe <laughs> Montana is doing it for the yucks. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I, uh, I I love it, and it's been a real privilege to do Fat Tony. You were doing this show for the yucks, and we really, really Oh, yeah, doing it. this for the yucks, though. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ben. We wanted to know three of the four people who had played Richard Roma, either on Broadway or in the movie. Helen, what was the first answer that Ben gave us? Ben said Al Pacino. And Mr. Montaigne? Al Pacino did the movie, of course. Yes, yes he did. That's a point for uh, Ben. Very good. Al Pacino actually did a production of Glengarry Glen Ross on Broadway where he played Shelley Levine uh, later right. on in his life. All right, uh, Helen, what was the next answer that Ben gave us? Ben said Liev Schreiber. And Mr. Montaigne? That's correct. And, and I'll tell you one little anecdote about that. He was the second person to do it. I mean, 10 years, I think it was about 10 years after I had done it, if not maybe more. I think I it was about know, 20. You like didn't think 2005. Maybe it was 20. Think, okay, 20. Yeah. I'd like to say 10, but I guess it is 20. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I know, anyway. I know you were also very young like Lauren. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was much. a child when I did it. But anyway, <laughs> I remember when he won the, the Tony Award, which was the same Tony that I had won for it, I wrote him a letter. And I didn't know. I didn't know him at all. But I wrote him a letter and had it sent to the theater. And I said, dear Liam, I said, I just... People often say to other people, I know how you feel. But I think in this case, I really do. <laughs> you know, congratulations. And then when I finally first met him, we were at a, a function. It was actually a CBS function or something like that. Uh, and he, and we, we talked. And he said to me, he goes, I got to tell you, I came and saw Glenn. My father took me to see the play Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, when I was a teenager. Mm. And I saw you do it on Broadway. And he said, that was one of my big impetus is to be an actor and i mean that touched me so because to think that that then 20 something years later wow he would win the tony award for this performance that he saw me do wow. as a high school kid you know but leah is correct for, that he absolutely was very good another award. point for ben and then uh helen what was the third answer that ben felt are we gave doing us? this Where are we doing? <laughs> ben said dustin hoffman and uh joe 
All right. That's incorrect, but the, as I recall, and, and I and I talked to him about it too, and, and congratulated him, and he's a wonderful actor. But it was Bobby Carnavale. Yeah, Bobby Carnavale uh, uh, did it in the uh, latest revival, and of course, who played it in the original? You're looking at him. You're Yay! looking at him, Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe, before we let you go, Ben, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to uh, Joe Montana while we have him? Quickly, just quick question for you. Thoughts on, as as a uh, Glengarry originalist, <laughs> thoughts on the Baldwin extra scene and what was the vibe with everybody in, in Glengarry world seeing that? Well, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I mean, I think... You know that was a choice they made, and obviously it was a, a good one because I mean I think that that thing got a lot of play. Yeah. I mean in in the play itself, you know that character was was referenced and all that, mm-hmm. but you never saw him. But I mean it seemed to work, and of course it, the point is Mamet wrote it. Right. I mean he writes the words, and so it's like you said, you, you your your reference to it is seeing Pacino in in the movie. So that's 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 what you hold on to, and you right. should. That's 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 the what you have. So it just depends on whatever somebody's point of reference is. Joe, I've got to say it's been an honor and a delight to uh, hear your stories. We thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, I know you've got a website that people can go to. Yeah, you go to, I know, you know, I, I don't even, I, 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 my assistant does the stuff. I don't even know. I'm like a dinosaur. I'm lucky. I, if, if, I didn't, if I didn't have kids, I wouldn't even know how to text. You know, but I mean, well, fortunately, you do work that's very easy to find and a pleasure to find. And it's a pleasure that you found us. Thank you so much for joining us. Joe Montaigne. My pleasure. Wow. Thank you very much. Yay. You're, you're so literally cool. the most interesting man in the world. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What a wonderful segment. Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of that round, Lauren Ash has 10 points and Ben Feldman has six points. All right. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Lauren and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Lauren, Pizza Hut has been around for more than 25 years. True. Correct. Yes, over 60 years. Ben, Pizza Hut was founded in Argentina. False. Correct. That's right. It was founded in Wichita, Kansas in the USA. Lauren, Pizza Hut used to have a mascot. True. Correct. Ben, the mascot was named Pizza the Hut. True. Incorrect. No, that was from Spaceballs. That was a guess, and I even acted like I knew. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Lauren, the mascot was named Huddy. True. Incorrect. Nope. Ben, the mascot was named Pizza Paul. True. Incorrect. No, Lauren, the mascot was named Pizza Pete. It's got to be true. Correct. It is. Uh, Ben, Elijah Wood once appeared in a Pizza Hut commercial. True. Correct. Lauren, one of the Beatles once appeared in a Pizza Hut commercial. False. Incorrect. No, Ringo Starr did. Ringo Starr was in a Pizza Hut commercial. Ben, Mikhail Gorbachev once appeared in a Pizza Hut commercial. (laughs) True. Correct. Yes, he really did. Lauren, I once appeared in a Pizza Hut commercial. True. Correct. Yep, I really did. Ben, you once appeared in a Pizza Hut commercial. False. True. True. (laughs) Correct. We'll take your word for it. (laughs) And finally, Lauren, at some point, everyone gets to appear in a Pizza Hut commercial. (laughs) I hope it's true. I'm going to say true. (laughs) Sure. Sure. We're not going to count those last few. Those are just for fun. But we want to thank Ben and Lauren as Helen tabulates the final score. All right, Helen, are you ready to pronounce the winner of tonight's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Lauren Ash has 13 points and Ben Feldman has nine points. A very good showing by Ben Feldman. But congratulations, Lauren. You are the fact. Acting champion on Go Factor Self. Lauren, what will you do with your championship? 
I will at least feel a little bit better about my loss at lip sync battle against Ben. <laughs> this makes me feel like we're we're even again. Okay. <laughs> the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards tie. Exactly. <laughs> towards tie games. Uh, all right. Want to give everyone here a chance to promote anything that they would like. Lauren, where can people find you and your work? You can find me on Instagram at Lauren Elizabeth Ash. I'm on there the most. And uh, please, if you if you're interested in true crime cocktails, laughs, murder, any of the above, uh, give a listen <laughs> to my new podcast, True Crime and Cocktails. It's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime and Cocktails. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. It's wonderful to uh, meet you, Lauren Ash. Ben Feldman, where can people find you and your work? You can find me by just writing my name into Google right up Ooh. at the top. Um, other than that, I've got some socials. Ben M. Feldman. I know it's annoying. I know it sounds like it's your dad's handle, but that's what I've got. So Ben M. Feldman. Um, and then, uh, you know, on Superstore and Monsters and wherever else I can get work. And, and outside Joan Montana's apartment. <laughs> all of uh, all my usual haunts. Excellent. Well, we thank you for joining us in our haunt, Ben Feldman. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen. She is Hong. She is Helen Hong. What are you going Woo! on? Uh, if you haven't seen me co-starring with Ben Feldman in Silicon Valley, we are. Uh, I am in the final season of Silicon Valley. Catch up on that. I'm on a series called The Unicorn on CBS. The first season is on Netflix right now. The second season is on CBS or CBS All Access. And you can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. Because that other Helen Hong, she ain't funny. No, she ain't. Uh, she is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. She is funny. Helen Hong. Uh, and me. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Lauren Ash, Ben Feldman, David and Nanny Toborowski, Joe Montaigne. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday. Maybe someday soon. Ooh. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Dot Andrea Greater Than Sign did. He, she, or they said, such a fun podcast. A pleasant, entertaining distraction in the terribleness that is 2020. Thanks, Dot Andrea Greater Than Sign. And don't worry, it's almost over. Ellen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, engineer, editor, and we think secretly Batman, is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to George Went, Megan O'Keefe, Mary Chalenza, Martin Geller, Valeria Almada, Danielle Matlin, Mona Yeager, Jimmy Pardo, Sean Pulaski, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Needham, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go make Joe Montaigne write a book! We might be in it. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.